Okay, today's word comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 25. Galatians 5, verse 16 to 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit this is the word of god we are in we're getting deep into the series part 9 of the series most deeply human and I've entitled today's message, Resilient Love with Steadfast Character. Resilient Love with Steadfast Character. And it's essentially a continuation of last week where I, we shifted gears and went to Galatians chapter 5. Last week, I spent some time talking about the works of the flesh. And today, I want to spend more time... And I kind of just gave you just a quick little intro. What is holiness? What is holiness? There's only one fruit of the Spirit, and that's holiness, even though there's all these words. And I want to get more into that today, and that is, what is holiness? It's, it's resilient love with steadfast character. That's what, that's what holiness is. That's, that's the way I'm, my short-term way of trying to of describe it to the 21st century modern, Okay. Let's get into it. Part one, everlasting divine glory, not transient feelings, okay? We're talking about love, and when we're talking about love from the Bible, we're talking about everlasting divine glory, not transient feelings, okay? That's part one. Part two, beautiful relationships through resilient love. I want to ask you a little bit about your relationships today and get you thinking about the relevance of this subject of holiness. Beautiful relationships through resilient love. And I want to close my message by talking about the eternal joy of God. Do you, do you ever know that God is always happy? It's so, he's so happy that we don't call it happy. We call it a better word. We call it joy. The eternal joy of of God. And I want you to learn something that's related to this subject too, all right? Um, 
Let's get into this passage. Um, it started off, verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I want to just start right here. I, I want to review. What's the flesh? I gave you a definition last week. It's the fullness of human nature without God. No Holy Spirit. No Word of God. No truth of God. No grace of God. No power of God. So if you don't have any Holy Spirit in you, there's no presence of God in you. Now, you know, even human beings who don't have any salvation, they, may, they still have some semblance of God in them because they made an image of God. You have to tr basically turn yourself into a monster to try to snuff off the, the, the sense that God's image is in you. But, so there's this movement, and really the way it manifests is in our desires. It manifests in our desires. And so, if you just have desires only for things of the world, and it's going to be completely based upon how good I am, how smart I am, how much discipline I am, how much morality I have, right? Then you're just in the flesh. And, what I just described there, you guys, you all know this. Whether you're a Christian, you're not, you know, this is the way our culture works. Our culture is totally a flesh-oriented culture. It's actually very actively trying to push everything of God out. It's like, Holy Spirit, no, we got to stamp that out. That's the way our culture works. So the first thing I just want to um, ask of you is, is if you are a believer in Jesus, do you have the desires of the Spirit? In this whole series, I'm, I'm pressing you and guiding you to, to desire the things of the Spirit. To desire what God wants to give you. And the highest thing God wants to give you is holiness. Okay. Now, for those of you who may not believe in Jesus, or even if you do believe in Jesus, you're like, but pastor, I really like the worldly stuff. That's the stuff I want. I have to admit, be really honest with you, I, I, holiness, it, sound, it sounds good. Okay, it sounds good, but really, I want success. Okay, it's like that's, I know that, I mean, let's just be real here. I have pastored a number of you for a long time. If you and I are having a really honest conversation, I know, like we'll be sitting over coffee, you will actually, I mean, you, 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 I think you'll, you'll feel safe enough that you'll actually say, like, pastor, you know that stuff you preach? I know it's good and right, but really, I, I want success, okay? I know that that's the way it is. But I, I want to start right here. I want to start right here. The desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. Desires of the Spirit are against, the, there's a war going on there, and that war is going on inside your desires. I want to start right there. But especially for those of you who, you know, you're like, what I'm going to, I'm going to say this next part here, and which is, in all your life, you're looking for something really glorious. The reason you want success in your life is because you want something so good that we don't call it good. In the Bible, the word for something so good, so big, the goodness is so, so big, big, big. The word, they don't use the word good, it uses the word glory. So, Everybody, I don't know if any about you, you're not looking for kind of like semi-good. I kind of want semi-good. I want a kind of like just a kind of okay looking wife. <laughs> long as she's not ugly, okay? That, that's good. 
I want to get a meal and longest it just tastes not horrible. Okay? Not horrible. After this is over, I'm sure some of you want to go out for a meal and you want a not horrible meal, right? No, of course not. You want a good meal. And then you want a really good meal and if you and every now and then you wish you could have a glorious meal, right? Now here's the first thing I want to say. Um, in this verse, and so I'm going to sit in the pocket of this verse, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit, if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm just stop for a moment. You should memorize it. I'm not kidding. You should memorize it. Um, today you should go home, write that out, put it on your mirror, read it every day until it's in you. And here's, a first, and here's a couple things I want to say here. There's only one fruit. Do you notice? The fruit of the Spirit. It's a singular word. It's a singular noun. The fruit of the Spirit. So what is this thing that God is, that the Holy Spirit is trying to grow? There's only one thing. And that word is holiness. And I, I was talking a little bit about glory. And I said this to you last week, that, that the glory of God is this. It's holiness. And what God wants to give you is that which is utterly glorious. His top biggest thing. And I want to then move into the biggest glory of God is holiness. The biggest glory of God is love. I just said the same thing. <laughs> the biggest glory of God is holiness. The biggest glory of God is love. I just said the same thing. Now let me put it a little bit to you this way. You're like, okay, I don't know if I want holiness. But do you want a love that's totally resilient? A love that doesn't break. A love that doesn't fail. <laughs> a love that, like the world can hit anything, come at you with anything, and that love won't stop. Do you want that? Do you want that? That's holiness. <laughs> That's holiness. And this is what makes God most glorious. God is one who loves with joy. So let's just put it this way. I said to you last week that all these things are love, joy, peace, patience. It's all one thing. So what's holiness? Love with joy. Love with patience. Love with kindness. It has kindness. It has gentleness. It has all of it. And it doesn't have it in a small measure. It has it big, unstoppable. So when God loves, He always loves with joy. Let's put it this way. Um, a lot of you, I think, you know, like it's a flat kind of like doctrinal idea in your head. God loves me through Jesus. But you don't actually really believe it and feel that in your heart. Mostly, God loves you is a distant and far kind of like weak, weak fact. But I want, let me just put a little thought in your mind. This, this little list, the fruit of the Spirit, the reason it can be the fruit of the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is overflowing in all of it. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of it. So when God loves you, He loves you with 
full-on joy. Most of you think if God loves me, he basically tolerates me. <laughs> That's kind of the way, how, he, how he loves me. If God loves me, um, it's kind of like, like, you know, he loves all these other people, and I'm like way back there in the line, and he barely pays attention to me. And since I am such kind of a lame Christian, and often sometimes even a lame person, of course he can't love me that much. Who could love me that much? <laughs> who could love anybody who's as messed up as me? And so you think God loves me, and God loves me is a chore. God loves me is this like thing he does because he's God, and God just has to love me because God loves me. Because like since I'm saved, he kind of has to love me, right? But he loves you with total joy. Let me just say that again. He loves you with overwhelming joy. He's glad to love you. And he's never stops being glad to love you. And he never stops loving you because he's always happy about doing it. Don't you like doing the things you like doing? You know why I always eat Haagen-Dazs ice cream, cookies and cream? Because I like it. <laughs> so that's our dessert. It'll still be my dessert five years from now or ten years from now unless there's an allergy or unless they screw it up, okay, or something. But you know why? Because I love eating it because I like it. It gives me joy to like it. So I, I, I like loving it and I like eating it. And so I have joy in loving it and I love, love and joy. You get it? That's how he is with you except just that much better because we're not talking about ice cream. I'm just giving you this kind of stupid illustration in my own heart, I tirelessly eat that ice cream because I have joy in it. <laughs> That's how he loves you. That's the divine glory of God. Now, let's just shift gears for a second. We have this word, love. Love. In our culture, here's what love means. You have this really good feeling towards somebody else. It's a special and like, it's like better than like. Love is, is, is a feeling, it's like like on steroids. It's like, 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 like. <laughs> right? We even have this word, do you like her or do you like, like her? In other words, you kind of like, you know, maybe the like, like is like more like love. But really, all we really mean is feeling. But in the Bible, it doesn't mean feeling. It means this. It means this. Love with joy. Let me, um, let me point out another one. There's this, oh, wait, let's, let's, let's go to love, joy, peace, patience. Patience. So, God loves you overflowing maximally. He's so happy to do it. He has joy in doing it. And he's always patient. So, let's go. In, in the old King James... They didn't that use that word patient. They actually used a different word. It's a better word. You know what that word is? Long-suffering. That was the word. I actually think that's a better translation. Long-suffering. So, you guys, like, I don't want suffering. I don't want to suffer. So, 
in our minds, we have this feeling, happy feeling, like, like, like on steroids, love. And then there's this other thing. If you're patient, and then you have to be really, really patient, and then you have to be so, so patient with this person that is so, so, like, frustrating and difficult and keeps falling down and doesn't do what they're supposed to do and disappoints you consistently, regularly, it's like patience is, it's like, it's not even the right word anymore. It's like the word would be, in order to be patient with this person, you'd have to suffer in a long way. You know what the Bible says? When God loves you, he joyfully, okay, this is crazy, joyfully long suffers with you. How about that? Can you do that? Do you have anybody in your life who does it for you? One person. So this morning, I'll, I'll use this illustration. This is such this is neat. This, this morning, um, I took, my, my wife bought orange juice because she knows how to, I'm like the only person in the house drinks orange juice. She buys it for me. So of course she buys it from Costco because, you know, we're, we're economical like that. And so you get three, three jugs of it. And so in order for me to drink it, I have to put it in the kitchen refrigerator because if it's in the other refrigerator, I won't drink it because I'm out of sight, out of mind. I'm like that. So I bring this jug of orange juice over to the kitchen refrigerator and I open it up and my wife already put it in there because <laughs> that's what she's like. Because she knows, she knows my husband if I don't put it in the, this refrigerator, he won't drink it because he's so like, he won't actually go look to see if it's over there and discover that it's over there. He, I have to put it in here. And then she goes, so I had opened up one from the other refrigerator this morning because I was in that room. And then she goes, if you had opened up the one here without looking and then opened them both, I'd be so annoyed. That's what she said. I would be so annoyed. And then I looked at her and I said, you know, I'm just... You know why she said that? Because I do that. <laughs> That's exactly, you know why she said that? Because I don't bother to look. There's a, a jug of orange juice over here that you should have started on. And then there's one over there that you shouldn't open up yet. But because that's the convenient one, that's the one I'm going to open up. And, she, and then she looked at me. She's like, oh, you're, I said, she goes, oh, so annoying. And I said, I'm so good at that, aren't I? <laughs> and so you marry somebody, you know what you're going to find out? They have a tremendous talent for annoying the heck out of you. <laughs> this is marriage. You're going to find out the thing that drives you absolutely insane, the other person is really good at it. And you know what? After 20-something year, years of marriage, I'm still good at that thing, which annoys the heck out of my wife. So today, by the grace of God, I didn't do it. But she said something. You know what that is? Long-suffering. But she said as a joke. <laughs> In other words, she was saying, it's taken me 20 years to, to laugh about this. And to give you this patience. Okay? 
But Jesus does this for you all the time. It's the glory of God. This is what real love looks like. This is what real love looks like. If you have one person in your life who will give you love with joy and with a consistent kind of long-suffering, that's a resilient love. That's a resilient love with deep, deep character. Now you have something glorious in your life. And if you don't have that in your life, but you have money, <laughs> let me tell you something, your life, your life sucks. You don't have resilient love in your life, but you have money. Let me tell you, I pity you. Your life, okay, this is just like almost too rude to say. Much. You're a loser. <laughs> You're losing. It's like, I'm not saying that insultingly. You're a loser. I insult you. I'm saying that objectively as a fact. You're losing. Your life is losing all the time. So you're losing, so you are loser. A person who losing is losing is a loser. You have lots of money, but no resilient love in your life. You're a loser. I'm sad to say that, but it's true. But God, you know what he wants to give you? Holiness which is love with joy and long-suffering, that's what he wants to give you. Isn't that, isn't that, worth, isn't that something worth having, wanting? So the, let's get back. The desires of the Spirit are against the desires of the flesh. So today, when you hear this word, you know, what we, what, what, it's, it's kind of a test of your heart. It's not like, like he's gonna, no, I'm going to teach you this thing and the Holy Spirit is going to sift your heart and ask you, do you want what I have to give you? Do you desire what I want to give you? Or do you have the desires of the flesh? Okay? Let's go to part two. Part two. I want to ask you this question. This is a way to start thinking about your life. Um, uh, there's this uh, book on character written by David Brooks. and the first chapter, he talks about eulogy virtues. Here's what he means. You, a person dies, you go to a funeral, and you know what they do? They tell you everything that's good about that person. Eulogy virtues. You know what they celebrate? Relationships. Everything that's good about that person that was loving, that made all their relationships worthwhile. What David Brooks, when he wrote the book, he wasn't a Christian. He became a Christian. But he points out, we don't really go around talking about how much money the person had or how many accomplishments they had. What they really care about, after a person dies, you know, there'll be an obituary. They'll list some of their accomplishments. But the people actually show up at the funeral, they care about relationships. And I want to just give that as a point of reference for you, especially all you young people. I know you're like, our culture is constantly telling you your accomplishments, 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 your possessions, your stuff, how much money you got, what kind of car you own, how great your house is, what your degree is, what accomplishments you have, what awards you won. But when you die, nobody's going to care. <laughs> Nobody cares if you went to Stanford. Nobody cares if you have a million dollars or a billion dollars. But they will care very greatly 
if you had character in relationships. It's a really good acid test. So, in the Bible, you know, the Bible is always telling you to have holiness, and you know holiness is for relationships. The closest relationships, most of all, but even something like, you know, your neighbor, love your neighbor. Do you know what? Do something good for your neighbor and don't have any other agenda. Take out the trash for your neighbor when they're gone, okay? Something simple. Did you know what that was? It's a really low level, but it's still love. You did it. Did you do it with joy? Did you do it with patience? Or did you go, hey, I I brought the trash in for you. That means now you owe me. Is that why you did it? If that's why you did it, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. Now you owe me. That wasn't love. That was just selfishness. So even something where there's like no feelings, like I have these feelings of liking, maybe you don't even like your neighbor. But will you love your neighbor? But now think about all your relationships. I want to ask you some questions, right? Do your relationships last? Do your relationships last? Just first of all, just have that one. You have a friendship. Do you have long-standing friendships? Or you have a friend It lasts about a year or two? In all the habits of my life, I have one or two. I have a friend, and after a couple years, they're not my friend. Hmm? How about this one? Do you have relationships? Do they remain good? Do they remain good? Like, okay, I have a mother. My relationship with my mother, it's a good relationship. Or you'd say, it's, it's not a good relationship. I, I, you know, like, I wish I almost didn't have this relationship anymore. But it's my mom. So, like, kind of stuck with this relationship. Is it good? What are the patterns of your relationships? So you have a relationship. Uh, you know, like the person annoys you or disappoints you. And then you find a way to basically get rid of the relationship. You lose that relationship. Is that the patterns of your relationship? And then, you know, we wonder why. And, you know, you know of course, I'm asking all these questions because you know that I know. <laughs> that a lot of the answers of these questions aren't very great, good answers. And I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm, I'm trying to ask you to ask yourself you know, don't look at yourself with just like, I'm biased toward myself. I'm going to have good feelings toward yourself. You should look at yourself the way God's going to look at you. And what God wants to give you is resilient love with deep character. If you're going to have real love in your life toward other people, you know what? It has to have character. So holiness, the fundamental activity of holiness is loving with character. But if we don't have character, then you're not really going to be loving. And let me just point out one other thing. There are some people who think they have really good character. I'm really honest and so on and so forth, but they don't love or serve anybody. That's a Pharisee. Okay? They like to put up all their legalistic character, but they don't love anybody. That's not holiness either. That's unholy. It's Phariseeism. It's legalism. 
But true holiness will love with resilience. And so I want to ask that question of you. What are your relationships like? And I just want to point out a couple other things before I, we go to the, the end of my message. If you're going to have real joy in your life, put resilient love with deep character in your relationships. The most joyful, happy, wonderful people, you know what they have? They have just wonderful relationships. Again and again and again. That's what their life is filled with. And then you know what? When they die, all these people show up. And then they start telling stories about their resilient love. That's what they talk about. Oh, I was in, in a hurting time here. It really put this person out. And they showed up. It cost them their money. It cost them the advantage in their career. And they showed up. It was so important to me at that time in my life. I never forgot it. Even my family didn't do it for me. But this person did this for me. And that, when they say that about you, they're saying something tremendous about you. They're saying there's something like holiness in you. So, first of all, we want everybody, we all want someone to love us this way. And I already said this, if nobody loves you this way, you're really, really losing. So first and foremost, you've you got to have somebody in your life love you this way. And when I get to the gospel, I'm going to basically tell you this way. If you don't have anybody in your life who loves you this way, you can have somebody in your life who loves you this way. That's God. In the person of Jesus, he will love you this way. And then you won't ever lose. You feel like you're losing. So anybody who is loved by Jesus, you're not a loser. Okay? I don't care... If the whole world, 7 billion people, got together and said, You're a loser! You are loved like this by God. You can't ever lose. Even if you lose temporarily in the world, you won't ever lose. That's the first thing I want to say. But if you, we all want someone to love us this way, but the thing I want to challenge you, and what this series is about, is do you want to love some others this way? Do you want to be loving this way? Do you want holiness to be such the mark of your person, of your heart, that when you love somebody, you will love them gladly? You will love them patiently, kindly. You're like, gently, <laughs> overflowingly. And it doesn't stop. Do you want that in your life? So I'm going to take you back to this. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Revelation chapter 4. Do you remember that passage? There were 24 elders. And there were these four strange creatures. And they bowed down before a throne. And the 24 elders, I told you this, 12 of them represent all the tribes of Israel. And 12 of them represent all the other tribes of all the other nations. So the 24 elders represent every nation, every tribe, every kind of people. And then all those four strange creatures represent all the different kinds of creatures. So every creature, every tribe, every nation, 
They're going to they're going to bow down before the throne, and they're going to take their crown. Their crown is their peak glory. Every nation has a glory. Every tribe has a glory. That tribe thinks it's it's scholarship. That tribe thinks it's 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 military strength. That tribe thinks it's 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 athleticism. Whatever yours is. Before Jesus, they're going to take that crown, and they're going to throw it down, and they're going to say, "Holy, holy." holy. What's the highest glory there is? This is it. So what is the the single biggest desire you want in your life? I hope, I want to challenge you to desire what the Spirit wants to give you. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. So there's a war going on inside of you. This whole series I'm building this up so I can say this thing, fight the war on the spirit side. Fight the war on the spirit side. And so today, if you're like, oh gosh, my desire for success is so big, pastor. It's so big. I don't even know how I can even begin to want holiness. But this is the, this is the care I want to offer you. Don't you want love? I'm sure you want love. Do you want love more? Do you want love bigger? Do you want to be loving more? Do you want to be loving bigger? So today you could say, Lord, I really want success. I don't even want love. So a lot of hypocritical, I want love. I, I want to be loving. I want, okay, let me tell you something. The world are lying. You know how I know that regularly people say that they want love. They want to love people. They want to be loved. They're lying. You know why? Because they throw people away all the time. As soon as I'm like, okay, I want to love you, but this girl's hotter. Throw you away. I chose lust over love. Oh, I want a love that never breaks. But then you go out in the world, and what we get is love that breaks and fails all the time. In other words, we get unholy love. All, that's all, that's all, that's the only kind we got, unholiness. And that's all, that's all, so around the world, we met a thousand people, and a thousand people, they only give you unholy love. And even the closest people are supposed to love you, their love has failed and broke. It's not resilient. And then, everlasting resilient love is offered. And you know what people do? They're not interested. That's the desires of the flesh. What I want to ask you today is, you can ask Jesus for more of the desire of the Spirit, and He'll pour out His Spirit on you so you can begin to desire the things of the Spirit and seek the highest glory there ever is or ever will be. Let me close my message this way. You want to be happy? In this passage, you notice holiness, love. Love is the biggest theme in the Bible. Okay? There's nothing bigger in the Bible than that. The only other big theme in the Bible is holiness. And I just told you they're the same thing. But you know the next word after love is in Galatians 5.22? 
joy. God has great everlasting joy. And you know why he has great everlasting joy? Because he has great everlasting love. This is the way I want to close this message. You know, part three is the eternal joy of God. Don't you want to be happy? I want to be happy. But let me, let me tell you, getting into your best college or getting like the, the most magnificent looking boyfriend or getting a billion dollars, whatever it is that you think is going to give you happiness, won't. It'll all just stop. It'll be, but there is an eternal joy and nothing could stop it. It's God's. You know which joy he wants to give you? His. And so if he calls you into holiness, it's not because he's like, I've got all these things I want you to do to you and do all this religious stuff. I want you to, here's this really annoying person, go love them. Oh, it's it's the hardest chore in the world. I call you to love because in that is the joy. My joy. Unbreakable joy. So I want to close with a with this, I want to give you this verse, and then I'm going to tell you the gospel, and we'll close. So you might know this verse by now. I hope you do. And in light of everything I just said in today's message, I want you to hear this verse. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory, there's that word, Not man's glory, not like Apple's glory, not like Stanford's glory, not American glory, to his own glory and excellence. By which he granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. What is the divine nature? Love with great joy, joy that never stops because joy that never love, that never stops loving. You know where an everlasting, unbreakable joy is? It's in loving. And you know who has it? God has it. And that's called the divine nature. And you know why Jesus came to earth? So, there's this, um, the old Eastern Orthodox theologians have a phrase, which I love. They said, God became human so that human beings can be like God. The divine became human so that the human can be divine. You know what they mean? They mean this, to partake of the divine joy what it means. So what did Jesus do? The Son of God became Jesus, human. He came into a world that has only unholiness everywhere. Filthy, actually, because it's only of the flesh. Came to the world, and then he loved people joyfully. With patience, kindness. And then they murdered him. Because they actually wanted 
the stuff of the flesh more than the gift of God and murdered him. It's like, wait a second, if you show up and you actually love like this, it proves that we don't actually love very well, therefore our righteousness is bad. And since our righteousness is bad, that means the fleshly righteousness is no good. Well, we can't let anybody prove that. We better kill you. So, those who are the desires of the flesh killed Jesus. And when he was on the cross, you know what he said? Forgive them, Father. I don't know. They just don't know. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea that they're losing. They're choosing to being horrible losers. When Father, Son, Holy Spirit were loving them. He willingly went to the cross. He willingly forgave. Let me put it a little bit. He gladly forgave. That's the divine nature. That's history. But you know, it's not just history that he did that, you know, 2,000 years ago. He's doing that for you. He's doing that for you. When you and I are like, I have the desires of the flesh. I want success more than love. We're putting Jesus back there. We're shoving him back there. It's kind of like, we're kind of like killing him in our life. We're like crucifying him again. You know what he does? He gladly forgives you, long suffers for you. He loves you. And then, of course, when the bottom drops on out in our life, oh, no, by, I'm like losing success. Oh, no, somebody in my life is like got cancer. I'm hurting. We run back to Jesus. And you know why we run back to Jesus? Because we're not actually interested in his love. We just want like some of his power. Could you fix this? Could you be the fixer? God, will you be the fixer? Because you're God. We don't love him. We don't even want love for him. We just want the fixer. But then, you know, when we go and we want him to be the fixer of whatever our problem is, you know what he does? He loves us. He loves us. With an unbreakable, resilient love filled with joy. It's like, I know you're not being so good right now. I know you're still full of unholiness. And I know you are so filled with the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And even when you come to me, you're like a fake and a phony. But I'm so happy because you came. Because I love you. It'll never break. Ever, ever break. And his gladness to love you won't ever, ever break if you've given your life to Jesus. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? If you can believe that, step with the Spirit, run to Jesus, and Jesus will get on with the business of giving you resilient love and making you give resilient love, helping you to give that so that your life could have a joy, 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 an eternal, unbreakable joy. No matter what happens in the world, 
Jesus will get on with giving you that. More than your success, more than whatever promises of the world, he'll give you his promises and he'll get on with that. He's never going to stop giving you that. He's never going to stop loving you like that. He's never going to be stopped for being happy and long-suffering to love you and then to give you this most glorious thing and help you to partake of the divine nature so that the human could be divine. That's what he's going to do. Drink this in. Let the Holy Spirit drink this in. And then each day, let me challenge you. Today, memorize Galatians 5.22. And then tomorrow, Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't know how to desire this. Help me. And when you do, you'll be in step with the Spirit. And if you ask him for that, you know what he's going to be? He's going to be like, yes, I'm so happy. Of course I'm going to give this to you. It's what he always wants to give you. Let's pray. We are so foolish. We are such failing. And the spirit of the flesh is upon us all the time. The preaching of the world is upon us all the time. The promises of the world are upon us all the time. And we are so filled with them in our own heart. But your maximally magnificent promise of the glory which is above all the crowns of every nation and of every creature, that's what you want to give us. It is so very hard for us, Lord, to believe that you would love us gladly with great gentleness and long-suffering, and then you would put that in us so that we give it to others. We don't even want it. And we kind of want it from you, but we mostly want success. We actually love the idolatry of success. We love that more than we love you and love your kind of love. But can we begin, Lord, to move toward you and be in step with the Spirit so that in this very, very broken life, this very, very fleshly and worldly times, we could begin to partake of everlasting joy. We often think of you, Lord, as like, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna, he makes me want to love, and then love is like, I guess, hard work. We love being loved, but may we can say, in this is my greatest joy, unbreakable joy. Started off this message talking about resilient love. Would you give us an unbreakable, resilient joy? And help us to believe these things, that they're really one and the same, holiness. Can there, this be true, that you are a God like this? Can it be true that there is such a God? Can it be true that you would love us like this? Lord, I'm the pastor, and I know this is true, but tomorrow I wake up, and for about six hours or 12 hours, I will not feel it. And I'll walk in the flesh. And so even with these lame, weak, poverty-filled lips, would you use me and may I walk 
in you, in my walk with my brothers and sisters, to know that grace upon grace is upon us. So the absolute biggest, most incredible thing, the divine glory of God is being given to us. Help us to believe this, to desire this, and to desire it more, and to be in step with the Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.